Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome to today's In Conversation With podcast. I'm Georgie Corridge-Cole, the founder and editor of Sherlock's. And today I'm joined by the very, very brilliant Lorraine Candy and Trish Halpin. They are two highly esteemed names, best known for their careers in the magazine world. Between them, they have edited Elle, Sunny Times Style, Red, In Style, Marie Claire. I mean, you name it, they have been at the helms of the names we all know and love Today, they are hosts of the immensely popular Postcards from Midlife podcast, an intimate look at what it means to be a peri and postmenopausal woman in 2021. They talk about parenting, mental health, uh, you name it, they are covering it along with some incredible guests. Um, I'm so delighted. <laughs> Having you with me, welcome, ladies. Oh, thank, thank you. you for having us in your gorgeous Sheerlux Palace. I'm going to call it. Oh, so glamorous. Well, a slightly <laughs> messy one, but anyway, anyway, don't look too closely. Um, look, you are total legends, both of you. Trish, I've interviewed you before. Yes. Uh, we did a success stories podcast a mm-hmm. while ago, and it was a real highlight. And I followed your careers really closely. We're, we're here to talk about being. 50-something-year-old women being mm-hmm. parents of teenagers, etc., etc. But for people who don't know you and aren't sort of as keyed <laughs> into the magazine world, can you just give us a bit of an elevator pitch as to your careers and all the brilliant things you've done? So I am a journalist, started as a journalist. I worked in newspapers. I worked on The Times as features editor. I was women's editor at The Sun. Then I moved into magazines. I used to edit Cosmopolitan L, I edited for a large chunk of my career, um, and then most recently I was at the Sunday Times style. Um, I've also had a parenting column in two big national newspapers for the last 10 years. I think that's it, really. Well, you've yes. written a book. That's yeah. it. Oh, that's Christ, it. No, I've written a book. Written a yes, book. <laughs> shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> a book as well, um, which what... became a Sunday Times bestseller. So, yeah. yes. Wow. I'm, I'm and, and we launched a very successful podcast. And we launched yeah, a so podcast, which... Yes. It's almost in the millions at the moment. It's so, yeah. very much in the millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's exactly. over a million. So it's, yeah, we're, yeah. we're quite proud. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Trish? Yeah, so quick snapshot. So um, began my career in magazines on a magazine called More, which you're probably all too young to remember, but it was a very sexy fortnightly magazine back <laughs> in the kind of 90s. And from there, I went to Red Magazine just after the launch and became editor-in-chief there for um, seven years, moved across to InStyle, which was purely based around fashion and celebrity and beauty, and then got my dream job, which was Marie Claire, which I edited for 10 years. Um, I left that two years ago, and I was kind of ready for something new. And with this one here, we'd already yeah. dreamed up a bit of a side hustle we had. with this podcast because we realized that we were at a point in our lives that we were feeling really confused. We didn't know what was happening. We were feeling really strange. Right? We were having mm. all these weird conversations about not feeling right. And we're journalists. We didn't know we were going through Mad. perimenopause. So that's why we launched the podcast. But it's so much broader than that. It's about lots and lots of different things. 
It's about midlife, isn't it? Mm. I mean, for the record, you are 53 and 54. You are parents of six children between you. You have four Lorraine Trish, you have two. Mm-hmm. Can we start talking about the fact that you are 53 and 54? Mm-hmm. You are very stylish. You look amazing today. I mean, you're clearly enjoying life. We have, we have got 30 years of fashion and beauty advice yes. behind us. So we're in a really privileged position yeah. of being able to, you know, it's a weapon in our armour. So we know how to look good. And, you know, that's something that we wanted to share on the mm. podcast as well, because we've had all these stylists and all these experts around us for all, all these years. So we really embrace fashion and beauty as mm. well. It's a really joyous thing to find in midlife as well. And a lot of women don't, a lot of women don't embrace mm. it until they get a lot older and it actually it's just so, so lovely mm. to be part of that world it's not superficial is it it's so powerful mm. getting dressed washing your hair putting your makeup on you know it's so powerful you, you do both look great is that something you'd really encourage other women to make an effort and it's never too late right yeah, i think de- i mean definitely it does make you feel better for sure and I think in midlife you can go through you know the midlife years you know you've probably got teenage children you might have aging parents you're probably at a point in your career where you're reaching the heights and you're under so much pressure and it's trying to keep all of that together is is quite stressful along with the kind of hormonal shifts that are going to be happening and you can lose your identity a bit you can lose your sense of self and I think your fashion your beauty that can be really anchoring for you and and kind of when you look in the mirror and think oh my god I don't know who I am anymore when you put on your amazing leopard print dress that Lorraine is wearing um you know she's painted her nails beautifully red that makes you feel like yeah. you again you kind of start to recognize yourself I think you get very overwhelmed at this stage of life and there's a lot to deal with and sometimes just taking control of very small things makes you feel very confident mm. you know being able to choose what you wear and it makes you feel better for 10 minutes mm. in the morning you know being able to feel that you your hair is nice and I think those things are really powerful I don't think they are specific to women either I mean we always talk about it in that context but I think that men might find other things small things like that in their daily basis but it's specific to everybody really yes absolutely I think you get dressed it's the first thing you do at the beginning of the day and it tilts your head it's an intention and it tilts your head in the direction of something good or something bad or what you've got to deal with. And I think when women, and we've seen this certainly mm-hmm. on our Facebook group that goes with the podcast, is that the moment you start losing that, the moment that you haven't got that is, is the time you, you're going to be thinking, you know, I've lost who, who I am. So I do think it's important, but we're not saying you've got to spend a lot of money. No, we're not saying, no, no, and no. we're not judging women who don't find it. Um, important who find their value and their happiness in other things and that's really important that we don't as women judge other women but it's it isn't shallow you know in fact I replied to a post mm-hmm. the other day on the Facebook group where a woman said I'm so shallow I'm thinking of having this done and I said but you're not this is about your intrinsic personality and identity and I don't yeah. judge you for that what other things do you think are important factors in being happy as women? I mean I'm 40. I've read a lot and interviewed a few people and I'm interviewing more and more. I think as the sheer life audience kind of grows up with me, interviewing more people about perimenopause, menopause, mm-hmm. getting older. You hear a lot about anxiety and confidence. And Are there other steps you've taken or changes you've made or things that you do in your life mm-hmm. that help you 
feel fulfilled, feel happy? Is it about your career? Is it- I think it's got to start with looking after yourself. I mean, this is knowledge that everybody has, but sometimes yeah. you find it's it hard, hard to, put <laughs> to put into yes. practice. But, you know, when you are running around everywhere, looking after everybody else, kids, family, whatever, career, etc., if you aren't feeling good about yourself. So I think exercise, in your 20s, 30s, you should be you know, laying a groundwork, a foundation of exercise that works for you, that just becomes a kind of natural part of your weekly routine, because that will pay dividends as you get older, not in, not just in terms of your health, but in terms of your ability to cope with everything that can be thrown yeah. at you in midlife. So finding um, an exercise wellness routine, um, mm. you know, your, your eating, your nutrition, it's about self-awareness, I yeah. think. Mm. And that is physical self-awareness about what works for you physically but also your mental awareness and um, you know we all know about mindfulness and meditation but being able to kind of check in with your emotions and understand you know if you're feeling anger that's fine you're feeling angry you're feeling sad whatever you've got to kind of acknowledge your emotions sit with them they might be uncomfortable but you've got to kind of understand why and then you can maybe try and reframe it and saying right this is making me angry because but if I look at it in this way actually you know, this thing that's really driving me mad because it's really hard work is actually a really exciting opportunity that I've been given. I think when you get to midlife, you start really knowing yourself and understanding yourself. You know, it's a journey. Well, you said a good thing, didn't you, Trisha? Your Mm -hmm. son called you the MVP. If you have the most valuable player, the one that, you know, you could sell for millions that is best on the pitch, et cetera, et cetera, then why would you not absolutely expect that MVP to take care of themselves? And it's also very brilliant role modeling for your teenage girls and boys. You know, I take care of myself. They learn to take care of themselves. But I think the thing, particularly for your 40, at this stage of life, you're losing hormones. So from now on till about 65, you will be hormone deficient. That will that is Oh an, lovely. Hit me, hit me. <laughs> but there's no way of avoiding that. We wish someone had told us of the population okay, no, I'm, yeah, I'm listening, will go through that. So your hormones will fluctuate, then they will decrease. That's simply what happens in life to women as they grow older. If you want to replace those hormones, you're going to need hormone replacement therapy. So this is something that we talk about a lot on the podcast. That is a very, very viable, it's a preventative medicine, it stops osteoporosis, it stops heart disease. So you need to start thinking about that and all the other things that you may need from your GP in advance. We've had some brilliant um, NHS GPs and experts on the show and they will say when you walk into a surgery, there are two really, really big experts in the room. You on your body and the GP. <laughs> so know about your body. Start to you know, know about you, it. Start. Yeah. Look back on your pregnancies. Look back on your teenagers. What happened to you then with your hormones? All of that knowledge is relevant to what will happen to you after the age of 40. Mm-hmm. I think we've had our head in the sands a bit because we keep thinking, because society has told us that as we get older, we are not so valuable. We don't need to really think about ourselves and our bodies in the same way. I have to speak to so many young women say it's too early for me to think about it. It's never, ever okay. too early That's to think advice. about it. Oh, uh, are there practical things when you touch on meditation you touch on exercise like personally what do you do you look great I'm an open water swimmer so I do a lot of cold water swimming do you you're one when I say that I think you're mad I say that and people think well she must be Olympic standard how amazing honestly I'm the slowest person in any lake or any sea or in any pod of swimmers but I love to be in very cold water and it's something I found when I thought I was losing my mind in my mid 40s, I was editing Elle, won loads of awards. We were doing phenomenal things. I, picked, I was t- took on the digital side of the business. I had a three-year-old and I was at breaking point, really. I was completely overwhelmed. My hormones were off, off a cliff and I, I needed something to reset my mind. 
and um, I started swimming. I started swimming in, in without a wetsuit in cold lake. It had a really incredible physiological effect on me. I just felt amazing for three or four days afterwards. Really and then I found a ton of women beside lakes and on beaches who were all doing the same thing. And now I have this amazing network of friends who don't come from my industry and from somewhere else completely going through all their journeys who are incredibly uplifting. And these women are uplifting out of the water to me as well. So that I think was probably a huge game changer and it made me sometimes when I had a massive thing to do at work and I'd have gone swimming in the cold in the Lido in the morning with a group of friends who had nothing to do with my industry I'd have gone into a meeting and thought I just did a really brave thing this morning so this is you know easy in comparison to what I had to do this morning did you, <laughs> you do it this morning no not today I'm going to say but that's what I would be thinking as I was yeah. going into this I think it's that kind of thing finding something like that that's, that's purely yours takes you slightly away from everything makes you feel a bit brave and then as Trisha so Letting those feelings go past all the time and just observing them rather than engaging with them and getting into a kind of yeah. mental stress about them. Yeah. Can I just ask, where do you swim? You swim in a Lido? I swim in uh, Parliament Hill Lido in North London. And then I swim at Shepparton Lake at the weekends. And you, how long are you in there for? Well, it depends on the temperature. Anything under 10 and you're only in there for a matter of minutes. But through the summer, we're in there for an hour, hour and a half. But the Lido at the moment has dropped considerably. I think it's down to 12, so I'd probably only do about 15 minutes in there now. I mean, that's not a 30-second cold shower, is it? That is like I do I do three or four cold showers a week as well. I do you? Them, for how, yeah. long, how long are you in there? Well, anything between one and three minutes is, is good. And do you just feel alive yes. when you get out? Yeah, I mean, it obviously has a very physiological effect on my metabolism. It might be different for other... I mean, I'm, some people, I've got Australian friends particularly, who will not go in cold water at all <laughs> under any circumstances. And there's a lot of science on it, and Southampton University is doing a big project on it at the moment. There's a lot of science around how it affects the way you are physically and mentally. Are you really chilly for the rest of the day? Do you then have a really no. hot shower afterwards? No, no. You have to gradually warm up. You have a hot drink. You layer yourself up. Trish, right, well, you did your sailing. Well, no, I, no, I remember sailing. seeing pictures of you. Sailing, thinking, I've gone out and show my husband that he's dying for me to get oh. more sailing. Yeah, no, that was that's kind of like a holiday hobby thing because we started doing these, like, because you get to a point where your teenagers, they're just quite annoying <laughs> so we decided to go sailing with some friends and my husband can sail and then I thought well you know I'm gonna get my qualification there's no I would never have thought that I would do that but why the hell not but um yeah but that's it's kind of fair weather you know right Greek islands that kind yeah, of nice. thing but the, your training wasn't the Greek islands it was quite no cold. I had to do that to do the North Sea <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that was in, in saving in, lives in, at sea yes. what it was, October or something yeah. it was a bit cold yeah definitely a bit nippy but you know I know because we've obviously got um probably younger listeners than us on this but I think with exercise, I've talked about it earlier about trying to have it as part of your, you know, your weekly routine. Also think about adapting it as you get older, because I was always in the gym, you know, as a yeah. kind of gym bunny person hit, doing the routine, all, that hit all of that spin classes. I do one at lunchtime when I was at Marie Claire and I, I could only do it on a day when I knew I didn't have any meetings in the afternoon because I would be beetroot red. <laughs> but I was like after that bars and that. ah. And then when I started getting, you know, into my 50s, I was like, my body I can't do this anymore you know you get to the point where you think I can't keep up in the spin class I'm not enjoying it and I thought right well that's fine I've got to start doing something else and I've started doing sounds a bit old ladyish, but it really isn't sort of power walking I swim as well I think about it very much in terms of 
what does my whole body need? So I know I need mm. some cardio for bones. I need strength classes. So yeah. I do, you know, grid. You need to keep yourself strong and supple. So that's Pilates and yoga. You need to do something for your mind. So I swim as well. You need to do that. You, you know, so you think, try and think about it mm. in a, a, not just a, I want to be thin kind of way or slim kind of way. It is about what does my body need and listen yeah. to your body. You know, you can do brilliant online yoga for 15 minutes every morning. You can, yeah. you, in God, Instagram gives you 20 yeah. minutes strength classes is wherever you are you don't need to throw a ton of money at this yes. and you don't need to be overwhelmed by the choice of it you know we always say add it in add it into you don't take stuff away and be a martyr about changing your routine add something into your day yeah. add 10 minutes of yoga in add 10 minutes of weights or body, and it's never body been easier yeah. has it it kind of you can't make excuses now really or, or do you know do 20 squats while you're waiting for the kettle to boil you know, oh, we had I'm squatting guest. while I brush my teeth yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well, the other thing is you know learn to balance that's the biggest yeah. thing that we've been told we've been told by many many experts one of the things that causes the problems as you get older is it's falling over in your 60s and 70s so if your body is strong and you've learned to balance up until then then you are preventing quite a big potential health disaster i, I, I know it's a faller so I, I fall now though. stand on your leg while you're brushing your teeth yeah, if you go stand okay. on your leg with I your eyes to. closed for 30 seconds then that's the way forward i dropped a wooden door on my toe the other day oh. my friend was like when I mean, you are older you're gonna, I'm gonna be like oh she's had another fall <laughs> I mean hopes I need to start doing that can we talk a bit about diet mm-hmm. not from a weight loss perspective do you feel like you've had to adapt your diet yeah having been yeah. through are you through the menopause where are you uh, well, well should we yeah. explain should yeah. we just talk cool. about that for a minute so yeah. um so basically menopause is a year from the last day of your last period and quite often you don't know you're going to have that and that can be the average age in the UK is 51 so I had my last period at 51 but I was only technically in menopause a year after that Mm -hmm. however in the 10 or so years leading up to that menopause date you're in what's called perimenopause yes I think there's so much misunderstanding yes. I've only learned this recently yes. so yes do and reiterate as um, Lorraine was saying that's when your hormones start to fluctuate your estrogen and your progesterone your female hormones they start to fluctuate your estrogen crashes it, it's all over the place and as women we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies they are everywhere they're in our brains they're in our bones they're every in our organ. literally every organ everywhere so if you can imagine sure. if your estrogen has plummeted sure. and when it rises back up it doesn't come back to where it was before it's going to have a lot of effects mm. and that's why there are nearly 40 symptoms of perimenopause so you have to be aware in that year from 40 really up to 51 uh, that these things can start you know this is and what's going to happen to you your mental health because you have you, the estrogen is the petrol of your brain basically and testosterone and progesterone so once that all starts to disappear or fluctuate then you will get brain fog. Then you can't remember things. It came to a head with me when I got in the car and I couldn't remember which side of the road to drive on. And I really properly couldn't remember. And I thought, this is it. I've got early onset Alzheimer's. This is must be what the problem is. But it's not. It's because I, I was deficient in a hormone that was powering my neurology. And so I went on HRT. It worked for me. So it's, you have to be aware mm-hmm. that... Perimenopause. Yes, you can be on it for the rest of your yes, life. Yes, and I'm, exactly. one of the main reasons I went on it is because I don't want to uh, get osteoporosis and I don't mm. want to have heart disease. It's, there was a very misleading survey 20 years ago yeah. on a form of HRT that is no longer prescribed on women over 65. And the medical profession have followed this terrible mythology for quite a long time mm. because women's health is not as important as male <laughs> men's health. Do you so, think? 
Well, I think so. But, you know, that aside, that survey caused enormous problems. There, there is no more risk being on HRT than there is if you drink a glass of wine a night. Mm-hmm. So that's the risk. So yeah. we know that because we had the world's leading breast cancer surgeon. I mean, there needs to be... You know, an international campaign always, doesn't yeah. it? Because it's, well, a, it's the a bit channel, like eggs and salt and other, like, yeah. we're over this now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the Channel 4 documentary, if anyone hasn't watched that, um, that Davina Sexsmith and the Menopause, Davina McCall oh, presented, that, that has all the facts it's on really it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah so I really, really so, so you go through perimenopause, and, and it affects everyone in really, really different ways, and there is no one test. So you can't go to your doctor and say, test my hormone levels, because you would have had to have tested them when you were 20 to know what your base level oh, was. So there is no so test. they fluctuate every day. Yeah, so they exactly. can be up one day and down the Exactly. So you, can... so you just need to... And is it, is it like a balancing act, so they give you a level... Yeah. And then you tweak it. Are you yes. sort of tweaking yeah. the dose to, yeah. until you start to... Yeah, and you yeah. should be getting body-identical hormone replacement therapy, not bio-identical. So there is a big industry in private healthcare where women are given lozenges. These are they're taken orally rather than rubbed on uh, transdermally. And those are unregulated. But a lot of women get to their GP and are offered antidepressants. So yeah. women will say, I don't know what to do. So we go to the private doctors, many of whom are offering bio-identical HRT, which is more expensive and isn't. it's not regulated. So we don't really know whether it's working or not in the way that body-identical does, okay. which is what so- the NHS would so you are saying that having interviewed all the amazing you you have yes when it comes to HRT you want body you need to go to your NHS doctor and ask for body identical HRT and there in if a private doctor says I'm going to test you to see if you're in perimenopause or menopause that is not possible I think the problem is, you know, women are anxious about it. They're worried about yeah. it because you are, because that's, you know, your hormones are fluctuating and you can get terrible anxiety. And so you're, uh, you know, you can get very worried about it. But there are so many brilliant uh, websites. Dr. Louise Newson and her website is full of the most amazing, helpful, useful, understandable information. And honestly, it's really not rocket science. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most GPs, they have something like three hours training in menopause in their whole mm-hmm. training. And if you think that 50% of the population are going to get menopause and they've had three yeah. hours training. Trish, you said you a year since your last period. Yes. So you've had the menopause, which yes. is that year date. Yes. Can I ask? Well, I've, you know, I've been on HRT since I was 49. So I don't know when my last period was. So I, you don't have periods if you take the progesterone pill every day. I see. So, yeah, which I'm quite happy about because I had no attachment to having periods. Quite no, like, I mean, well, a lot the of people get terrible periods in there. You know, having I was so I could think come back stronger. Can't yeah, yeah, so I could probably, you know, I could absolutely tick the day and it would all be over. And I used to think, why are women making such a fuss about having periods? <laughs> and then obviously, when I hit forty-five, it was Armageddon. It was horrific. I was having to take days off. I was having to take painkillers every. 20 minutes it was just oh. the worst of times so I was quite happy to go on eutogesterone yeah. it's called and you take it every day and you don't get periods so I'm, I'm, who knows when my yeah. last one was but we are getting quite technical here and we're giving you an outline and also yeah. please go and look at Dr Louise Newson's website yeah, or Dr knows. Shazadi Harper's both website written books about it as yeah. well loads of books. Brilliant. Yeah. so do please follow up on this don't take our word for it follow up on it yeah, in terms of getting some expert health well. yes she's, written she's the nutritionist yes it's sitting there and I'm to take that yeah. yes well, that's got it all in that's, yeah that's yeah hearing just normal people speak about their experiences teaches you more than any mm-hmm. expert I think I don't know I, I just think women who sharing their experiences is the best advice um we were going to talk about diet yes. uh and not necessarily for weight loss although mm-hmm. I, I know people say that you know can't get it 
away from my middle when I hit mm. this age and I and you then might be cutting out food groups because it does x y or z yeah how have you had to adapt your diet your nutrition as you've got mm. older and so I mean I've how? been I've been quite lucky because I've always been vegetarian and quite healthy in in what I ate I've also been lucky in that I didn't really put anywhere a lot of women do put weight on around their middle you know Mm. the sort of muffin top and it it becomes really really hard to shift and fundamentally it is because you burn less calories as you get older as well when we've spoken to expert nutritionists like emma bardwell it's the hidden sugars in things that we're probably not thinking about you know you might think well i only ate this today yeah but did you have a smoothie pure sugar did you have two glasses of wine pure sugar did you it's it's the kind of build-up of the kind of hidden sugars that you might not be thinking about so if you are concerned about that um you know that midlife muffin top yeah. then y- you are going to have to think a little bit about your calories in and out i think your body changes shape mm. as well which have is, you found that i found that yeah i mean i you know i'm a very short woman so oh, are you? Um, <laughs> five foot two yes (laughs) I carry myself taller yes um no I think your body changes shape and but also your likes and dislikes change shape and your your the the way you live is different when you've got a house full of teenagers and a full-time job and it's quite hard to be healthy all the time you just don't have time to go and I don't like cooking I find it boring no me too rubbish at it so (laughs) it's quite it's hard for me to kind of get as healthy as I've wanted to be but you do we had Jane Clark on the show and she made a really good point she's a kind of of legendary nutritionist who we use in all the magazines we've edited and what she said is just add one healthy thing in every day maybe drink a pint of water at the beginning of your day Mm -hmm. because that might make you less hungry Mm -hmm. less less picking at sugary snacks you know and add one healthy snack in instead of thinking i'm gonna take out the biscuits just add in something and it gradually you start to feel better yes. and when you feel you better to want to do it, do you? yeah you, you want, want to do it some more. getting ready and putting makeup on and you know, add in a little mm-hmm. just the tiny yeah, things little steps. don't add extra stress and pressure on yourself because so much is going on to then think and i'm now i've got to lose weight or i've got to change shape you know if you want to get fit that's to keep your bones strong and healthy. That's the reason. You know, I did a lot of exercise. I used to run marathons. I was kind of, you know, very fit for the, my middle 40s. But actually, that was, again, just like extra pressure on mm. my body that I probably mm. didn't need to add in. Your uh, mind and your time. Yeah, yeah my time getting out of a career. Yeah. I know. Go, go, go. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're going to come on to children, but can we talk first a bit about 
careers, how you feel about your career. I mean, in the media, you know, there are definitely a lot of women who feel their days are numbered, who who aren't perhaps valued as men would be at that age. How do you feel as two women who've had amazingly successful careers who are now onto something with, mm-hmm. you know, all this advice that you're you're giving and you're writing books and speaking, etc. Do you feel really confident to go? And how do you mm-hmm. feel about being 50-something-year-old women, your yeah. careers, where you are, what the future looks like? Well, I think we were both editors in the absolute heyday of magazines, and it was fantastic, and we enjoyed it immensely. But that whole world had changed, and we realised we needed to change and adapt and go where our audiences are, which is part of the reason why we yeah. stepped away from magazines, because women have come with us. You know, they've followed us through our careers. And, you know, women are listening to more podcasts now. And we felt that that was a better place for us to be talking to them and creating content. And it's been super fun. Yes, it's scary not being employed. This is the first time I've, ne- I've not been employed officially. You know, yeah. I've always worked for a company. And with that, you get your salary, your sick pay, your pension. But this was a risk. This was, you know, taking a gamble. I would just be working for myself. We would be doing this yeah. together. We would be creating our own kind of yeah. income. And it's been fantastic. It's been really 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 exciting and liberating and what it's made me do is is realize that I don't know what's going to be happening in six months but I'll probably be okay because I always have been and I've always been okay in terms of work and career and this has evolved hasn't it Lorraine yeah, to places I mean, that it's... we never expected it to. I think our skills as editors worked brilliantly for the print products we were working on and then you know we did quite a bit of digital content as well but I think the thing that Trish and I spotted and you know and I think we have to claim this and be proud of it was we knew women were moving into a slightly different area we knew people were listening to things and when we pitched the podcast idea to uh, I was at the Sunday Times at the time and they had an agreement with wireless so we went to wireless and said we have this phenomenal idea and it was the first big podcast that uh, News UK had done and then as we were working together you know I was trying to edit weekly write a book have four children and do a podcast and I think we realized the future was probably audio or video that was where we were going to go so to be modern which is what we've always tried to do in our careers on magazines this was the modern thing to do so we stepped out with it and actually it's grown phenomenally Mm -hmm. fast you know we were a long way ahead of you know, we regularly at number one in the kids and family chart on iTunes. Amazing. And we were quite a long way ahead of uh, other people who talk about this kind of content. But our drive was to tell women in an easy to digest way what was going to happen at this stage of life, our audience that had come with us. We know everybody. I mean, I know that sounds very arrogant. We know everybody. We have had Elizabeth Hurley, Davina McCall, Mary McCartney. We just picked up the phone and said, would you like to come on our podcast? These are women that have come through our career mm-hmm. with us. And they just said yes. So yeah, it's been I mean, it quite makes... a journey. And then the experts have been the, the most fascinating yeah. people to have. But I think the combination of the two is, is yeah. Mm-hmm. And you two. I, I want some of, more of you two just chatting sometimes. I mean, I love the experts, yeah. but I love you two chatting. <laughs> Do you see the world still as your oyster that, you know... Well, it's a bit it's not stressful, always, but... Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, a podcast... like a career that spans another... You know, and we, we've had focus groups mm. here with our gold readers, mm. um, which is our sort of grown-up product mm-hmm. we talk about. And, and we've had focus groups, and they're like, we are in our prime, and we totally. want to achieve, yeah. and we've got the time, and 
still loads of energy and all these years ahead of us and do you do you look at it that way I I certainly don't want to not be working I want to carry on working well into my you know 60s and beyond and I think you know the thing for for women in their careers at this stage so many women drop out or don't take promotions or whatever because they're having issues sorry to keep bringing everything back to perimenopause but it is so defining you know it can be in your life at this time and there's a lot of companies trying to introduce menopause policies to try and keep women in and support them in and get them through so that all these amazing senior women aren't lost from those companies but I think for me and they're needed at board level aren't they that's kind of when you meet it sometimes and that's why it's so unrepresented yeah you know this is riding high we're going to see where this goes I don't know I'm I'm feeling really excited about well I don't know what's around the corner and that's okay yeah. that's great and I guess your children are growing up yes. aren't they yes, and, and maybe is. you're thinking well, I'm going to have a bit more time yeah. actually to fix on me and what I want to well, do well it's more than a podcast really isn't it because mm-hmm. we do a lot of work with beauty brands and fashion brands outside you know with women at this stage of life because we meet so many of them and we yeah. you know we're kind of a walking focus group and there's um, such a gap yeah so good fashion and beauty content isn't it that, that well, isn't there, there, there is it's a thing we get asked about a lot you know if you want to buy a pair of jeans after the age of about 45 it's it's quite confusing where you, you yeah. choose and we like to make sustainable choices we've we've got all that information it's just you know our job is editing all that information which is mm-hmm. what we've done mm-hmm. all our careers. so we've got other things we've been working mm-hmm. with big corporations on their menopause policies so how to talk to women the language to use we've been working on product launches so it's kind of become a bit bigger than yeah. it was so I think we're going to keep yeah. doing that I'm going to write another book um, yeah, I mean, our can, can children we... are going to university oh God, yeah. you're like dreaming, dreaming. I do. I'm like, I went in big schools, and I oh my god, my head is spinning. I mean, it's just. I mean, we're sort of three years from it, and suddenly you have to think about these things. It's terrifying. How time goes so quickly. Your twins yes, are. 17. I was going to say yes. they must be about seventeen. Yeah. Well, mine are nineteen, uh, seventeen, fourteen, nearly fifteen, and ten. So I have a ten-year-old as well. Too. So you had a baby at 40. 43. Yeah, you see, there's still time for my husband's listening. This is my like a stat record. I found someone on holiday who was 44 and had to tell the baby. It's like, you see, you it's see. It's quite tiring is all I'll say. But yeah, I remember worrying when they were little and they were really little and someone was saying to me, just don't worry because really it's not now that they need you. It's mm-hmm. as they get older. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, mm. I mean, my God, were they right? I mean, mine are four nine and ten and i'm feeling yeah that the nine and ten year old are the ones Mm. that need me more than ever how is it does it all work out in the end (laughs) tell me it does and give us advice please and our listeners i think you just have to know what's coming at you so i wrote a book called mum what's wrong with you 101 things only the mothers of uh, teenage girls know but it applies to boys as success, well isn't it, your yeah I was quite pleased but it, you, do you know what that means it's just just for ordinary mums who are quite shocked and stunned by the absolute time commitment to teenagers and just what they're going through and they're basically their brains are rebuilt between the age of 12 and about 25 so that it's taken apart the brain put back together again and we are expecting them to become adults and be logical and not lose things and not be chaotic and not have emotions all over the place they're flooded with hormones so if you can just step back from that and just allow that to happen and watch it happen and not take it personally and not spend your whole time saying you need to respect me and you need they just can't they physically you know it's like we talk about the room they physically cannot see the mess in the room you can 
but they can't. So don't get cross with them about that. That's yeah, the least of your yeah. worries. Yeah. So I think also we had made the point in the, in the podcast that as they're going through this really chaotic, quite demanding time, and they need you quite late at night most of the time, you are going what through your hormone. Yeah, you lose your evenings. You won't be able to, you know, you're not putting anyone to bed at eight o'clock anymore. You're, they're there all the time. And then... But they're not there at the times you, you, you miss. They're not there for Sunday lunch anymore. They're not there Friday nights. They don't want to watch telly with you anymore. They mm-hmm. don't want to come on holiday with you anymore. That's all normal, but it's quite a lot to take on. But they are almost constantly needing you. I think younger kids need to be loved, and lots of people can do that for them. After about 13, they just they mostly, most often, need mum. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with the... Knowing they need you, but the also the kind of lack of appreciation. Because I, I imagine that's hard. And you know they it's need brutal. you. Almost like when you have a baby and you do all, the, you know, all the, it's a bit thankless, isn't it? You just yeah. change nappy after nappy after nappy. And then it gets really lovely. Mm-hmm. Like my four-year-old, I mean, if I could bottle mm-hmm. her. And, yeah. Or, you know, well, that's why I say to young girls so that she can just be that sweet stage. and heavenly. Yeah. Uh, and I feel, I'm very aware that we are heading into this territory where mm-hmm. it's quite thankless. Mm-hmm. How, how do you deal with that? I think, I think the first thing for me was um, when they go to secondary school, sort of around 11, because with the twins, obviously, I've, I've, I've had everything in parallel. So I've never had younger or older. And you've, so you've got one of each as people listening out. Yeah. Exactly. And they went to separate day schools. And I found when they start to separate from you incredibly difficult because you do everything for them, right? You're sitting there, you're helping with the homework, you're buying their clothes, you're taking them to every party, you're doing, you know, taking them to sports. Like everything is around them. And then suddenly they start going, Oh, I'm going to get the bus mum to school. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't want you to take me. I don't. And it's really hard because you've got to start letting go mm. and you've got to start letting them become who they are because I love in teenagers I love seeing how their personalities come out and these people that they're going to be and you know that can be quite difficult because my daughter is the complete opposite to me so anything I suggest to her I'm like what about why don't you you know we'll do the complete opposite and I really struggle with that I've got a real pessimist and I'm a real optimist and she's last minute and lazy and I was super conscious she's like my husband I'm like how are you mine but you're not going to change well it's taken me a long time to realise but if you realise I'm not going to change that you you, you can't change it just try and make the most of it I remember my sister is brilliant because she was says and my daughter's actually quite like her and she said well look she's not you she's totally different to you so of course she's going to respond to things and react to things and do things in a very different way and just because it's not your way doesn't mean it's the right way you know just because it's her way and not your way that's okay you know it doesn't have to be your way so that letting go of doing things your way and letting them do things their way I think was one of the hardest things for me but they're different every day Mm. I mean you know if you look at a 12 year old and a 17 year old those are two incredibly different if you look at yourself five years ago you're not that different but a 12 year old Mm. and a 17 year old could could not be more different so if you imagine that change is sort of happening seamlessly in front of you, but it's not really what the, you know, how they are in November is complete. They could be a completely different person by January. So to get set in, you know, to label them and look at them in one way, you just have to fluidly go with that. You just have to swim along with it and let it 
happen in front of you, I think, as long as they're not harming themselves, putting themselves at risk, which they do sometimes, or being harmful or cruel to other people, you've really got to step back. And that's the hardest Mm -hmm. thing because you've had what psychologists call this period of latency where they've adored you and you've been the centre of their world. And then, you know, they, they aren't. Psychologists said to me when I was writing the book, the worst phrase they hear particularly with mums of girls, is she's my best friend or Mm. we're very close. That's a terrible thing to be in the teenage years with your daughter because they have to reject all the bits of you they don't like, accept all the bits of you they do like, test this personality, test that personality, give you all those terrible feelings they can't deal with that are really, really hard and awful and so who can deal with it? She can because she looks like the most responsible adult. She's the nearest female to me. So all of this is going on and you just have to kind of knuckle down. Yeah, and how patiently deal with it? Just, just suck it up. Well, you, you find something else to do and you yeah. suck it up and you just find something else yeah. to do. And you say, I, mean, I put it in the book, but it was the alternative title to, to the book was What's the Point of You? Which is what my one of my daughters would frequently say to me. What's the point of you? You know, <laughs> and it makes you feel terrible because you think what to step in front of a car to stop it running you over that's the point of me yeah because that's what I would do because I love you that much and then you you're not getting that love you are because just being there is giving them the love and them staying around you and testing all this out on you if they're going away and you're not seeing them or or they're coming back and saying they love you very much and they're your best friend there's something very wrong with that Mm. dynamic yeah yeah I I agree actually I always found that my mother's my best friend a bit odd how are you preparing protecting their mental health you know Mm. Uh, i mean i've got a child with learning difficulties so i I feel hugely i feel huge pressure to protect his mental health if i can get my children to 21 with their mental health intact and Mm. happy and to know they're loved and to have a good work ethic that it will Mm -hmm. all be okay i mean it's only a few like major things i've got to achieve But how how have you protected their mental health? Is it just giving them your time and being there? Have you done anything more sort of proactive in terms of experts? You, you, you have to, first of all, not expect them to be happy all the time. Yeah, that's I the think main. we are driven to think, our oh, kids have to be happy, they have to be mm. happy, they're not happy, they're not happy. Of course they're not happy. Happy is just one of many, many, many emotions that they will feel. And they have to experience sadness anger rage uh embarrassment fear failure they have to you know of course they have to experience all of that because that's what life brings you and throws at you and you have to be able to deal with it so you cannot jump in and let and try and fix it for them you have to kind of you know philippa perry the psychotherapist who came on the podcast said you just have to you know if they're down in a well and they can't get out you have to get down there and sit with them you're not going to rescue them and take them out but just be with them well i'm here for you you're i'm here for you you're not going to like sort out the bitchy girls at school you're not going to do this you're not going you're not going to constantly be trying to make your child happy what you need to do is just let them experience their emotions, understand their emotions, and un- and understand that you know it's a roller coaster, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, how they're feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. But communication, but being there for them is the communication, and they often just go off to their bedroom and slam the door, and everything's your fault, <laughs> even though all you've done is say, "How was your day?" <laughs> you know, and you just have to say, "Look, how are you doing? I'm here for you. If you want to chat, I'm making a cup of tea." And that's it. But you don't want to be in there no. getting the nitty gritty of who said what and this, and that, and the other. And when they say they don't want to chat, yeah, and you know they need to. Wait, what do you? Well, I'm intrigued because, by you saying you know they need to. <laughs> that's the kind well, of. Thing. I, I've got a daughter who's a very closed book, mm-hmm. and it's literally like 
pulling teeth mm-hmm. and I can tell when there's something and I know she's doing and I'll get it out of her and it's excruciating and I'm like I'm not having this D- don't tell me that it's not okay and then not tell me why it's not okay you need to tell me and I'm like mm-hmm. is that the right thing but for like mm. the problem aired, the problem shared, and like even though I don't have the well, solution. I, yeah, I think you start very early with it. So when you ask about how do you make them get through to you know your your goal is to get them through to twenty one, but and as Trisha's feeling all all the feelings, but they need to get themselves through. So mm. they need to build their own mental resilience. That's not your job. That's their job. If you feel that your responsibility, they will feel they have to please you, and that's another pressure to put in to there if she feels she has to tell you these things that's another pressure to put into her armor it's often that the psychologists say to me that the stepping in with it what you what you're showing is empathy not sympathy then you start that at four so when your four-year-old is having a giant meltdown about the wrong sock being the wrong shape or <laughs> you making broccoli and you know they hate broccoli then you just say that must feel very terrible for you end of mm. <laughs> that's it so they and then how are those feelings for you and then they'll talk about how awful and then they're, what they're doing is venting and that's a good thing just to let them vent sometimes they won't want to tell you why the, the biggest thing that I learned from the therapists that I talked to for the book and I did some volunteering on a crisis text line for adolescents as well and I trained for that so I learned around it was to listen to them and, and not just listen it's what they call active listen in therapy terms so you ask them what, exactly what they're feeling how they're feeling it how it makes them feel what they want to do about it but if they say they don't want to talk about it then in that moment they probably don't want to talk about it so talk about something else but saying things like can we talk about it tell me about it that kind Mm. of it's taking the power away it's quite hard no I mean it's got to be a gentle thing hasn't it the piece of advice actually that I thought was really good from Alicia Drummond at Team Tips and she said you know if they come in like they don't want to talk to you 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 just say look can we just have I just want to have a two minute chat two minutes how are you can you just give me two words to describe how you're feeling? Yes. I do out of 10. Give me yeah. an out of 10. Yeah, I'll give you an out of 10. Yeah, that's great. That do you want cool. to talk about it? No. Okay, but I'm here for you when you do want to talk about it. Is there anybody else that you'd like to talk to that might be helpful? Yes. Daddy or whoever? No. And that's fine. And then off they go. But they know that you're there for them. And that yeah. when they're ready to talk, they will talk. Like that. like they'll come one. back to you later with it. Sometimes yeah. the, a terrible scene will occur in the kitchen that will be awful and everyone will be shouting. Because we all get it wrong all the time. And then I will say, should we talk about it tomorrow? And then everyone will just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm giving everybody... I'm giving them 24 hours to process it. Me, 24 Everyone's hours to process it. Place, yeah. And then how you deal with the aftermath is almost more important than... Mm what you do in the moment can you can say if parents can say I was wrong to say that I should have listened to you I shouldn't have said those words I feel bad about it and then they then they are showing that you are acknowledging you got it wrong and you've made a mistake and they feel more comfortable doing that as well before we finish I mean you've had so many guests we've touched on some of the names Elizabeth Herney Davina McCall I mean on and on and on I'm gonna put you on the spot are there a couple of things you've got? Okay, I'll never forget. And I have that with people. Uh, I'll never forget that that person said this to me. I'm always going to remember that. One of the most brilliant conversations we had actually was with um, Dr. Pragya Agarwal, who wrote the book, How to Talk to Your Children About Race, and also Motherhood, her most recent book. And I had completely taken it 
for granted that my experience of, of motherhood and mothering and my career and everything was from a very white point of view. So I like I loved the guests that have come on and brought us a completely different way of thinking mm-hmm. and made us go away and reframe how we thought things, how we might deal with things in future, how we might talk to our children about things. Those guests have been really phenomenal because we wouldn't have met them in the mm. print world. We wouldn't, you know, we would have we wouldn't have had that if face to face engagement and I think those really spirited brave women who come from really diverse different backgrounds from ours extended the conversation for us brought Mm -hmm. something new for us Mm -hmm. I feel proudest of what we've done is that women really open up and are really honest and um Davina McCall crying on our podcast we didn't make this into that people it was such a great but also somebody like and this is reflecting what is going on out there in our our Facebook group as well um when we interviewed Kate Thornton actually and um the TV presenter and she was um it was in lockdown I think her son had just been sent home from school with COVID we were just going back and and she was really struggling with her menopausal symptoms and her brain fog, her anxiety, everything. And her willingness to be vulnerable, to mm. be open and to share and to talk about it. I I've yeah. thought that was incredibly yeah. brave and really, well, so really many powerful. Women were going through the same yeah. thing, weren't they? Yeah. She was literally forgetting sentences. So she was having to write things on post-its and stick them all around the house because she was she felt so vulnerable that she would go out and she wouldn't be able to remember what she was doing, where she was supposed to be, how she was supposed to look after her son. She was a single mum. So it was, yeah, it's that mm. vulnerability because we know from the Facebook group, from mm-hmm. our Instagram, that there were there's hundreds of other women going through that as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and that there is help and there is advice and that we are delivering that from the experts. There's as well. a lot of fun and laughs too. Oh yes. 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 There are Miss Hurley Spaniel. Elizabeth Hurley Spaniel. Elizabeth as well. But you know, I hope that like we have these conversations, you're having these conversations that also you know, women are feeling more and more competent just to talk amongst each other as well. Yeah. And I mean, you're amazing role models at that. Oh, thank you for having us. Um, postcards from midlife is just a total must listen. It is entertaining, inspiring, educational, and all the things we try and be. And, you know, I'm a 40 year old woman and I listen to it and love it. And I, I can't encourage people thank listening you. to subscribe and get it in your life too ladies thank you so much it's been such a joy to chat to you thank you, thank you for the brilliant questions that's it for today if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe tell your friends to listen to and we will be back soon thanks very much bye bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hold up. 